How's it going today, guys? Once again, I'm back here live in the studio. Another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today is September 25th, 2018. It's a Tuesday, right after a big uh, opening week or a big week three at the NFL week four college football. We got a special guest for y'all here, Matthew Drylinger. Matthew, say what's up to the people. What up? So we got lots of good stuff coming for y'all. We're gonna start out here at the NFL, and so. We're three weeks deep now in the NFL. We see some teams go over three. We see some teams go three. Who are you the most impressed with so far? I would have to say the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, they've they've gone out with. He's not a rookie, but he's it's his first year starting, and they've gone out and beaten two teams that people have thought were going to make the playoffs, and beaten them pretty handily. And Mahomes has looked like the MVP so far this year. Yeah, Mahomes has been swinging the ball all over the field. I mean, like you said, the Chiefs, like, they haven't just beaten them. Like, they put tons of points up on everybody, and they were the underdog, actually, in those first two games. So, Chiefs have definitely been balling out. I just have some question marks with that defense. I don't think their defense is that great, but like you said, I'm definitely impressed with them. But I'm actually going with the Rams. And so, the Rams, I picked to have the best record in the regular season, but the main reason I'm going with the Rams and I just feel like they've balled out in every single game, and that offense looks unbelievable. Like, Jared Goff is giving the ball to all of his receivers. He's putting up great numbers. I feel like if Jared Goff can keep putting up numbers the way he has so far this season, that the Rams can be, honestly, I can see the Rams doing undefeated this season. Undefeated, that's a bold statement. They just, uh, we'll have to see how they can uh, deal with the loss of uh, Tlaib and Peters. They're both going to be out at least this week against the uh, very good Minnesota Vikings offense. Oh yeah, no. I think the Vikings will the Vikings will put, give them a good game this week. I mean, people are going to be down on the Vikings a little bit this week, especially since that they lost to the Bills at home. They almost got shut out in that game. But I think the Vikings will bounce back. They're a good team. Their offensive line just didn't play very well, and honestly, Josh Allen looked really, really good. I think the Vikings might be frauds from the first uh, two weeks. For being honest, you have the home game against a rookie quarterback making his first career start against a team that's put up a combined, what, like four or uh, 16 points the first two weeks and let up 17 in the first half. Yeah, I think also part of that we've been kind of overlooking them. Like, they'll stat out Everson Griffin, too, one of their best pass rushers. I think the Vikings kind of, you know, you can't overlook your opponent, especially in the NFL. Anything can happen week to week. Like, I've seen Steelers teams that have gone, like, 13-3 and in the regular season, and they'll lose to a Raiders team that goes 3-13 and that season. Just the NFL, I think that the NFL is all about surviving week to week. It doesn't matter how many points you win by. Obviously, that's a really bad loss, and it looks really bad on the Vikings. But... Overall, I still think they're a good team. I don't think they're frauds, but I definitely think the offensive line needs some work. They're missing three of their top linemen from last season, and it definitely showed up big in that game. Yeah, I agree. We are, we'll see how they can bounce back this week with the uh, very tough opponent in the Rams. Oh, yeah, for sure. For uh, most disappointing teams so far this season, I was going to say the Steelers because I thought they were going to lose last night, but they ended up barely hanging on in the game. But I'm going to actually have to go with the Texans here. I've been very disappointed in the way they played so far. I feel kind of like an idiot right now because I picked the Texans to play the Falcons in the Super Bowl. And, I mean, Falcons have so many injuries to this point that we can't even it's, – it's just bad right now how many injuries we have on defense. We can't do any – we can't stop anybody. But Houston has been absolutely awful. They've gone 0-3. I mean, don't get me wrong, they've lost all these games by less than uh, – by one score or less. But I just really feel like, especially in that Giants game, that's a game you have to get the win at and you have to make Eli Manning do uncomfortable things. We even saw the Cowboys shut him down last week. So 
I just think Houston has to get going quicker in the games. They've, they've been outscored 55-16 to 16 in the first half of these football games, and then the second half they're outscoring their opponent, but it's almost like too little too late for them. I'd have to... I'd have to agree with you on that one when thinking about most disappointing teams. Um, they had a lot of high hopes coming in with that offense with Deshaun Watson coming back, and that offense really hasn't done much, like you said, in the first half. Uh, they, let, they let Eli Manning, who's kind of been struggling over his last 16 games, throw for 86% pass, uh, pass completions on 29 passes. So that's a very high completion rating. And uh, they, they let the Giants jump out to a 20-3 lead before coming back, and then the Giants put that late drive on them. But I'd have to agree with you on the Texans. Yeah, the Texans do have a chance, though, to kind of get things rolling. They have a three-game stretch against the Colts, Cowboys, and Bills. I'm not going to lie to Colts, even though they've not – their record doesn't reflect what they would want to at one and two. I really feel like the Colts have honestly played a lot better than I thought they would, especially defensively. Andrew Luck's been getting some decent protection. Their offense has performed, like, not bad at all. So, I mean, the Colts could definitely beat them. They're in Indianapolis next week. I mean, they really need to win these three games to keep the season alive. It's not – the season is not completely over, but I feel like right now, especially going to week four, if you're 0-3, you're fighting for your life if you weren't already when you're 0-2. Yeah, I agree. I also have to uh, say the Chargers have been a little disappointed by getting blown out in the two uh, games against the two good teams they played so far this season. Their defenses look shaky without uh, Joey Bosa on coming around the end. Yeah, I mean, losing Bosa is a huge loss. He's probably one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Not having Bosa in there is definitely going to be a huge loss for San Diego. But, I mean, I agree with you. I have high hopes for San Diego coming this season. I have high hopes for Denver, too, but they haven't looked very well either. But there's still time for these teams to figure things out. You just can't really afford to go three or four games below 500 really quick off the bat unless you plan on heating up and winning five or six games in a row. I agree with that. And now the uh, the first three weeks of the regular season is kind of like the preseason because no one plays in the preseason. Yeah, exactly. That's what people don't realize. Like, and they're saying the teams like the Bills or teams, you know what I mean? Like, these teams that struggle in the first couple of weeks, I'm like, calm down, calm down. You guys take it easy here. But at the same time, like, you can't afford to get that many games behind because the NFL, and you can mess around, lose a game by one or two points, and that could really, really hurt you. So, I mean, it's not saying these games don't mean anything, but I mean, these teams are rusty and teams can still get better. So, I mean, you can't judge how you think a team's going to do the rest of the season based off the first couple of weeks. I agree, and I'm very excited to see these uh, through the next few weeks. See these teams hit the strides and see which teams are contenders and which teams are pretenders. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Buccaneers are going to kind of fizzle out a little bit. Although Fitzpatrick did look pretty good last night, I just don't think the defense is there for Tampa Bay this season. So it's definitely be interesting to see what they have. So a big storyline that's been getting under my skin a little bit. I don't know how big of a storyline it is for the entire NFL, but it is to me is how Matt Ryan has absolutely balled out here in these last two games, and people still refuse to get Matt Ryan credit. I feel like at this point that Matt Ryan has to go on the stands and hand out beers and flip burgers in order for people to give him the credit that he deserves in these games. Against uh, New Orleans, he had no turnovers. He threw for uh, he threw for 375 or 74 yards and five touchdowns, yet people still say, oh, we needed more from Matt Ryan, like on that last drive. But, I mean, we let someone in. We let two people in at unblocked both times. So, I mean, Matt Ryan has no choice but to get the ball away, and we ended up losing overtime. I mean, if you put up 37 points, you should win the game. That's doing your job. I mean, am I correct in thinking this? You are correct, but my whole, my still whole thing is Julio still doesn't have a touchdown this year, and that's your that's your best player. 
I mean, don't get me wrong, he doesn't have a touchdown yet, but he's still getting his targets. We're throwing the ball to him a lot. He has over over five targets in every single game, and he has he had 96 yards receiving last game. He had 64 the game before that against Carolina, and he had 169 in the first game. I mean, I'm obviously think that we need to go to him more in the red zone, but at the same time, I mean, week one we were we looked rusty, so I mean, I can give us a pass on that one. Week two. They were doubling Julio in the red zone, and we ended up getting the win. But last week, Wrigley had the three touchdown catches. I mean, we were perfect in our red zone attempts. I agree with you that Julio needs a touchdown, but I really feel like that Matt Ryan hasn't done him a disservice by not getting him one yet. Um, I honestly think that the Saints' defense isn't necessarily the best defense, though. Oh, not at all. But I mean, our offense played fine. We scored. We put up 37 points. We only got stopped like one time, basically the whole time. I mean, literally, the game is decided by the coin flip. Whoever won that coin toss is winning that game. Who does uh, Who do the Falcons have coming up in the next three weeks? I know uh, it's the Bengals this week. Yeah, the Bengals come to play us at home. I think AJ Green is out. They haven't officially decided that or not yet, but I really could see that. Um, the Steelers, we're at Pittsburgh. I mean, I'm not completely scared of them. And then Tampa Bay comes to, comes to play us, and then your Giants come to play us on Monday night. Oh, I will be in attendance for that Giants game. I believe I will be, too. It's going to be a good game. But, I mean, looking at this schedule coming up, you think the Falcons can stay on track? Um, I think they win this week. I would. I might have to take the Falcons with the points this week if what you said is true about A.J. Green being out because – I don't think the Bengals have anybody else on offense. And I honestly, per, I personally don't think Andy Dalton's that good. Um, who else do they play again? Uh, at Pittsburgh and then versus Tampa and then versus uh, the Giants. I think Pittsburgh's probably, Pittsburgh's probably win. Matt Ryan could go off against that defense. They're, Pittsburgh's defense is not very good. I didn't like the, I didn't like the pass rush they were getting. And I thought their quarterbacks were playing too, um, too far off of the Tampa Bay receivers last night. Um, the Gi- that Giants game will be a toss-up. No, I, yeah, I think the Giants game will be a toss-up. I think it'll be a high-scoring shootout. Personally, I don't believe that much of Eli Manning at this point, but at the same time, our defense is so bad, I don't really know who we can stop or not. Um, I have an extremely hot take for y'all right here. The Falcons should go out and trade for Earl Thomas. I'll give up anything to get it done. I think this team can win. I still believe in this team that they can win a Super Bowl, especially with the fact that we can get back Deion Jones. Putting Earl Thomas back there in the secondary would be huge, and he's familiar with Dan Quinn as a coach. So I think we could get him in there and he'd be a good fit. But honestly, I think it comes down to the fact that we have MVP Matt Ryan back, and I think as long as he keeps performing at this MVP level, we're going to have a shot to beat any team no matter how bad our defense is. I'm going to say I have to disagree with you with the um, Earl Thomas take. Earl Thomas is a player that wants to get traded to get paid. You already have your two starting safeties. What happens when Keanu Neal comes back next year? He just let Earl Thomas walk. It's a move to – It's a, don't get me wrong. It's not a move for the future. It's a move to win a championship, which sometimes you have to make a move to win a championship. I don't know if I necessarily agree with Rentals, though, in the NFL. Say that again? I don't agree with Rentals in the NFL. Unless it's for, like, a year. Like, I don't agree with, like, a half-season rental like like you can do in, like, baseball or, like, basketball. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like the, at this point the Falcons were, were – like, our defense is not – it's just bad because we are missing, like, one good player, and our offense has been playing amazing. So, 
I feel like if we got a guy in there like Eric Reed, which I know a lot of people disagree with for different reasons, but I don't want to get into those reasons, but him or Earl Thomas, I mean, we just need to put some sort of veteran back there that knows what they're doing. I think it's worth it to try it out because, I mean, at this point, it's not like our defense could get any worse, so we may as well give it a shot and see what we can do with it. I think if KG and Earl Thomas were back there in the secondary for us and then we get Deion Jones back around week 10, I mean, if we're still – if we're – Five and five, six and four, four and six, we could still have a shot at making the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. I think um I think your biggest the biggest miss you have is someone that can call out the call out the plays and like know the schemes of the offense and that's what you miss the most with Deion Jones. Yeah, him and Ricardo Allen. Ricardo Allen's like the quarterback of the secondary call him Rico. I feel like he really stepped everybody up and called everything out. And then Deion Jones speed sideline to sideline against like guys like Kamara and McCaffrey who we've seen go off on us the last two weeks. That's where he really comes in play. And especially when like Drew Brees and Cam Newton are running around, that's really where Deion Jones makes quarterbacks fear because he's got that four three speed and he'll fly in there out of nowhere and pop you. Yeah. So, I mean, these injuries keep piling up to the Falcons, but I I love how Dan Quinn's staying positive through all this, and I think we can weather the storm. But let's move here to uh, the big Jets versus Browns game on Thursday night. Now, Matt, I know you're a big Darnold guy, and you know that I'm not much of a Darnold believer. Um, well, what's your takes on how Darnold's played so far and how you think he's going to do the rest of the season? Um, so my biggest thing this year with the Jets was you have to have patience with, with the young kid, the Patience with the young kid around an offensive line that not that's not necessarily the best. I didn't think the Jets were going to necessarily wow people, but you kind of had to have a little bit of optimism after the way they played the first game, how the way how it wasn't just Darnold that did everything, how the defense, the rushing game, and then they've kind of just puttered out the last two weeks. Um, I honestly don't really agree with the play calling, especially in the last game on offense or defense by the Jets. Um, they just it's, uh, they don't go up the field enough. They don't throw they don't throw deep balls enough. I feel like they do too many screens. They don't throw the ball on offense um, on first down enough. They're not aggressive enough, especially when they got the uh, fourteen nothing lead and Baker came in the Baker came in the game. They got conservative. They looked like a team that was not prepared or ready for a rookie quarterback to come in the game whatsoever. No, I mean, I agree with you there. I still think Darnold's got a lot of maturing to do. I think he turned the ball over a little bit too much. He had 19 turnovers that last season he was in college. He threw two interceptions in this last game. I believe he has five interceptions on the season. Uh, yeah, five interceptions in one fumble so far this season. So I think he definitely needs to get a little bit smarter with the ball. I mean, I don't think Darnold's a bust necessarily, but I think that – He's more of an 8-15 to 15 kind of guy and not really like a top 8 kind of quarterback. So that's the, the only reason I say he's a bust is just because I feel like if you're going to give up that much, I feel like you want a guy who's going to be a stud. But at the same time, I like the Jets' willingness to go out and try to spend the money and get these players. Like I've seen they want to trade for Le'Veon Bell. I like the willingness to go out and try to get players and make this team better, which I think a lot of other teams don't really try to do. But I really thought – Baker Mayfield absolutely balled out. I could tell he was kind of nervous when he first came in the game, but, I mean, this kid was literally the savior of Cleveland. I mean, that was one of those – that game was unwatchable for the first half. The Jets were absolutely dominating him, and then literally Baker Mayfield comes in and the game did an entire 360, and he just absolutely dominated that game. He brought Cleveland that victory. I thought what he did was legendary, and I think that's a performance that will always go down in the books. I think that also has to do with the Jets' conservative play calling. If you look in the first half, they were blitzing um, 
Tyrod Taylor. He, Tyrod Taylor had no time in the pocket. They were playing man-to-man. In comes um, Baker Mayfield. No, no more blitzing. They go to zone, and they they go to zone where the Cleveland Brown receivers are just sitting in the zone, wide open. Um, I thought that I thought the Jets had the didn't had a lack of um, they couldn't pick up the plays. Like that Philly Philly was maybe the most obvious play I've ever seen. Like as soon as Baker Mayfield went out to the left, I was yelling at my TV that they were going to run that, and the Jets just didn't put anybody on Baker Mayfield. I thought it was a poor coaching, in my in my estimation. Yeah, I I necessarily don't think I don't think Todd Bowles necessarily is the right guy for the job. I think that when you have a young rookie quarterback like this, I think the Browns also should move on from Hugh Jackson. I think both these teams need to go get themselves these new offensive guru quarterbacks. The league's moved to an offensive league, so I don't really think having a defensive coach at this point is worth as much. But I really think though you have to have like this offensive guru to help. Make you, you help your young quarterback get better. For example, look at Matt Nagy and look at Trubisky. Look at um, Sean McVay and Jared Goff. I really think these guys can help these second-year or, or rookie quarterbacks get a lot better and help them mature and grow in their next uh-huh. couple of seasons. I mean, if Darnold can get his turnovers down, he has a lot of potential, but I still think that Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen are, will be the two best quarterbacks taken in this draft class. I agree with you on the fact that the Jets need to get rid of Bulls after this season and bring in an offensive uh, guru to work with Darnold, get um, get his turnovers down. But I think that Josh Allen, that was one start he was playing with. It's the first career start. He was playing with fire. We'll see what he can do when teams adjust. Like, And we'll see with Baker Mayfield. Like you saw Darnold after his, from his first start, his next two starts, teams adjusted. Darnold had almost the exact same stats as um, Mayfield and uh, Allen did after making their first two starts. So we'll, we'll give them two more starts. We'll give, we'll give every, we should probably give them all a year to see who is the best after the year and then make our estimations. You really can't judge a quarterback on his career after three games. No, I mean, you're definitely right on that. I mean, I think personally most of these rookie quarterbacks will struggle. Like I said before the season, I don't think any of them will win offensive rookie of the year. I mean, we even saw Josh Rosen get in at the end of that game. So, I mean, pretty much all of them are in play at this point except for Lamar Jackson. But I don't think any of them will win the offensive rookie of the year award. I like Saquon Barney that award. But, I mean, you're definitely right. It's going to be interesting to see how these kids play from week to week, and it's going to be interesting to see who can adjust teams having game plans set up for them. I was really impressed, though, with Josh Allen because he started the week before and played a little bit in week one. So, I mean, the fact that he did that for the Vikings when they had some film on him meant a lot. But, I mean, I just loved how Allen used athleticism in that game. Like, I saw him him hurdle somebody and run for two touchdowns. I was just like, geez, man, this kid – he carried the ball 10 times at 39 yards, two touchdowns, threw for 196 yards and a touchdown, had a QBR of 89.4. So, I mean, Josh Allen went off on, on the Vikings, and that's one of the best defensive units in the league, he, although they were down Everson Griffin. I mean, there's still really no excuses for letting a rookie quarterback do that to you. But I think that, that skill-wise, he's the most skilled out of all these guys. He's big, he's athletic, he can run. I mean, I just think he can do it all. Yeah, I agree, but we'll have to see him in more of a. Uh, we'll have to see him more when teams have time to prepare and have film on him and on Baker. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the, the running will get tough for the Bills. They don't really have as many weapons. I think they need more weapons around Josh Allen. But hey, if he can keep doing it with these with what he's got around him, then it'll definitely boost his uh, credibility a little bit going into next season. So the Forty ers they lost Jimmy Garoppolo on this. Uh, 
for last Sunday on a play where he definitely should have got out of bounds. Even Justin Houston said, like, I feel bad for hurting him, but at the same time, like, he's got to get out of bounds. Um, do you think that the 49ers have any chance without Jimmy Garoppolo? Because I think they have no chance. I didn't like this roster from the start, and I think it just got ten times worse without him. Uh, no, they have absolutely no chance. They will finish third. They will finish third in that division. They will win five games tops without him, and McKinnon. You ju- they just lost Richard Sherman too. Um, if, if, I done, a, if I was a Niners fan, I'd have no hope for this season. Is Sherman done for the season? Is that in terms? No, he's out two to three. He's out two to four weeks. Yeah, personally, I don't think Sherman will be the same after tearing that Achilles. That's a hard, hard injury for players to return from. But I mean, San Diego just has a hard schedule, and I've got a, another kind of hot take for y'all. I mean, San Francisco, you San Francisco, yeah. I mean, I have another hot take for y'all here. This team was absolutely pathetic last year without Garoppolo. They won one game all season before he came there, and I'm going to be honest with you, I could see this team going like – I see them maxing out at four wins this season. I don't. I think it's going to be ugly. It's going to get ugly before it gets better. But the one thing that could kind of be a little saving grace for them here is the Cardinals and the Seahawks are both equally as bad, and they have to play both of them two times this season. So – that could save them a little bit there. But, I mean, looking at their schedule, those are really the only two teams I think they can beat. I thought Garoppolo made this team a lot better than they actually were, even though I thought people liberated them a little bit. But this is a team that I kept telling everybody is not going to make the playoffs, and, I mean, it's definitely not happening now. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the Seahawks are a little bit better than them, but they're definitely a five-win team at most. Oh, yeah, no. I'll be shocked if they got four or five wins. But, I mean, we'll see what happens here. Last topic before we move on here to baseball. Um, do you think the Steelers save their season and they're going to be able to turn everything around, or do you think these Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, and other locker room problems will keep uh, hurting them as the season goes along? I think they saved their season last night. We'll see what they can do next week against the Ravens and a big uh, Sunday night primetime game. But um, huge game. But we'll see how they can. Uh, we'll see how they can do against a, uh, a de- an actual defense. Yeah, no, the Ravens are actually – the Ravens are really good. Like, I think this team is definitely (laughs) in the NFL. But based on how the Steelers played last night, look, the NFL is about survive and advance to me. Honestly, all football is about survive and advance. It doesn't really matter about how much you win by or all that. It's all about just getting that W in the win column at the end of the week, and that's what the Steelers did yesterday. And I think it will get them rolling, though. I think they finally – saw they can win the game. You know, I feel like they kind of start slow. Ben Roethlisberger kind of starts slow, but he went off last night. I don't know how this game will go against the Ravens, and they put the Falcons, Bengals, Browns, and at the Ravens again. But, I mean, they're at home in one of the biggest rivalry games. I expect them to have the crowd behind them, and I don't think emotion plays a lot of factors in the NFL games, but I think it does in a Steelers-Ravens game because of how big the rivalry is. And I just look for the Steelers to play off the crowd and play off the noise there and somehow get it done at home. Maybe you think Tony Brown making a huge touchdown catch for this team. Yeah, I agree. I, I like the Steelers to move to um... – Two one and one on the season after this week. Um, do we know the spread on that game yet? Um, let me get it up for sure right now. I bet it's probably like three four points. Yeah, it's uh, Pittsburgh minus three. I like Pittsburgh minus three in that game. Yeah, I do too. I mean, there's definitely some injuries for Baltimore, especially CJ Mosley. That's kind of a big one for them. So 
He's question. He's listed as questionable right now. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. The Steelers kind of do, though, have this quick turnaround from playing on Monday night, so they do have a, have one less day. But I mean, it's going to be a great game. It's Steelers Ravens. Like I said, I think that's the best rivalry in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. Both those teams are the most. That's probably the most consistent rivalry in the NFL. With both those teams usually contending for playoff spots each year. Mm-hmm, absolutely. But let's move on here to MLB. We're kind of looking here at the final playoff picture. Uh, it's getting kind of tight in certain races. My Braves, we already clinched. I mean, the ALs looking is pretty much like set at this point with Boston being the number one seed, New York being a wild card seed. But let's look here at the, at the most tight race right now, and that is the central race, which is the Cubs versus the Brewers and the Cardinals. The Cubs are 91-65. The Brewers are in second place at a game and a half back at 90-67, and the Cardinals are four and a half back at 87-70. you think the Cubs are going to end up hanging on and winning this division? I do. I do like the Cubs to win this division, and I like the uh, Brewers to win the uh, first wild card spot. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that one. Actually, the uh, Cubs, so they play Pittsburgh. They have three games against Pittsburgh and three games left against St. Louis. They lost to Pittsburgh last night, but I expect the Cubs to be able to hold their ground here and stay firm. I think after trading for Cole Hamels, this team has gotten rolling more. The Cubs actually the team I predicted to win the World Series, but now that they've added Daniel Murphy and a couple other guys to this lineup, I think they have one of the best lineups in the MLB. I also like what the Brewers did with some of the players they added. So, I mean, I think the Brewers will make the playoffs, too. I predict the Brewers would make it as a wild card before the season started. So, I like both those teams in there. I'm actually going to say here, I don't think the Cardinals are going are gonna to make the playoffs at all. I really like the Rockies to get in here as a wild card. And I believe in the wild card standings, the Rockies are sitting um, half a game back from the Cardinals. So, I mean, they're yeah. getting on them right now. Is it a half a game now? I thought it was yeah, a game half, half a game after last night. And the Brewers and Cardinals are playing each other currently. So, yeah, I think I would like the Rockies, I think, also to make that, that second wild card spot and uh, face the Brewers at the Brewers for a chance to play. Is it the Cubs have the, the uh, best record in the AL right now? Yeah, the Cubs are the Cubs have the Braves, I think, by two games. Yeah, they have the Braves by two games right now. Yeah, I, li- I would take the Brewers and the Rockies to play in the wild card and the winner play the Cubs. Yeah, plus I think the Rockies get in just because they have the Phillies and the Nationals left on their schedule. So, I mean, they have two teams that are really playing for nothing at this point, which at the same time, though, that can kind of be – it can kind of hinder you a little bit in the MLB just because these teams don't really have anything left to play for. So, they're just like, whatever, let's just go out there and have fun. And sometimes the other teams are pressing. So, I mean, that definitely is a factor. We've seen it happen in the past, but – I agree with you. I think the Rockies get in here. I think the Dodgers win the division. The Dodgers have been on fire. They're eight, they've won eight out of their last ten. So I think the Dodgers will just keep on doing it. Yeah, I agree. Um, what are your predictions for the uh, playoffs? For the playoffs? Yeah. Braves-Dodgers in this first series, you know, I really want to it's, – it's just interesting to me. Like, this Braves team, if we come out and we're knocking the cover off the ball, I don't know any team in the MLB that can beat us. But at the same time, if it, we're not hitting the ball well, if it's a close game, if we're turning the ball over to our bullpen, I just – as much as I want to pick the Braves, I just can't. I don't trust our bullpen at all. So, to be honest with you, I think the Cubs are going to come out of the – NL and go to the World Series, and I think that they'll probably play. 
I can't I can't honestly pick somebody right now on the Braves Dodgers. I have to watch the first game in order to be able to predict who's going to win the series. Just I got to see how the Braves are hitting the ball because I mean if our bats are hitting the ball like we can, sometimes we'll be fine. Plus the Braves don't usually play well against the Dodgers, so it's tough for me. And I really don't want to pick against the Braves. What about you? I I like the Cubs and Dodgers to play in the um, NLCS. Yeah, I don't see I see the Brewers winning the wild card game, but I don't see them getting to the next to the next round. Yeah, I see it a um, a repeat of last year's NLCS. Yeah, I mean these two teams will just keep dominating. I think the Braves more so next year or the year after that. It's gonna be interesting to see if the Phillies are actually willing to go out and spend all that money uh, on Harper and Machado because I mean they know they need to if they want to keep up with the Braves. But let's look over here at the AL. So obviously everything's pretty much set in stone at this point. Uh, we've got Yankees and A's. Those two teams are still fighting for home field advantage in this wild card game. Do you think the Yankees will keep that home field advantage? I do. I, they play the um, – they, they finish up with uh, three more with the Rays and then three more this weekend with the uh, Red Sox. And I see the, the um, Yankees winning the next three against the Rays and taking at least one at the Red Sox to uh, clinch that home field advantage. Yeah, it's definitely going to be huge. I mean, having home field means a lot, especially for a team like New York and the fans that are going to get out there. But I don't I don't see Oakland being able to beat New York in this game. I think Yankees finally got their bats back in the lineup, especially with getting Judge back in there. But this bullpen is one of the best bullpens I think I've ever seen. So I look for the Yankees to get a starter out there for a couple of minutes and then turn it over to the bullpen. But at the same time, do you think Sev is going to start this game? Because he's been struggling as of late. As a Yankees fan, I would start J.A. Happ in this game. Interesting. Why is that? He has, since he's been traded to the Yankees, I think he's lost one game. He's been the best. He's, since he's been traded, he's been the best pitcher on the Yankees. Like it's an, For me, it's a no-brainer to start Happ and, get him, and see if you can get him to go five innings and then turn it over to the bullpen, especially when with the um, if the reports are true, came out a few weeks ago, that's a that with Mania going out and not being able to pitch until two seasons, that the A's were maybe thinking about bullpenning this wild card game, and I don't think that's a good idea for them against the Yankees' bats. Yeah, no, I don't think it is, but I really like the A's bullpen at the same time. But I agree with you. I just think the Yankees, you know, if they've been there before, they've done it. The A's teams kind of built off money ball. The Yankee team is they're kind of opposite teams. You know, I mean, the Yankees built this team based off of money, so. Definitely going to be interesting to see what happens here. It's going to be a big-time series, but who do you like ultimately to meet in the uh, ALCS and uh, go to the World Series? Hold on. I want to disagree with you on the fact that everyone keeps saying that the Yankees have built this team off of money, but if you look, there's really only one high-priced player, and that's that's Giancarlo. Their first first base this year has been Greg Bird, Luke Voigt, and Tyler Austin, all homegrown. Second base has been... um, has been Glybar, who's homegrown. Third base, Andujar. I mean, we traded for Didi, like, his second year in. Um, catcher, Gary Sanchez, homegrown. Sevy's homegrown. The, bull, the A lot of the bullpen is homegrown besides Chapman. So, I this this has been the this has been the most Yankees. This has been probably the best Yankees team ever for the lowest price. Yeah, I mean, y'all did. I guess I, guess I can agree with that. Y'all haven't had to pay big money yet. I mean, guys like that still make a lot of money. They're all traded for and brought in. But and I guess you're right. The court is mostly homegrown. But in the AL, I like um, Houston to beat Cleveland. 
I just think Houston's, Houston's pitching in the playoffs is going to dominate a lot of people. And then I honestly don't like the Red Sox in the playoffs. A lot of people think they'll disagree with me on this, but I don't like their pitching staff. Their pitching staff are mental midgets in the playoffs, especially David Price. And they don't have a bullpen. Yeah, they really don't. Then. So I like the Yankees to play the Red Sox, or the Yankees to play the Astros again in the um, ALCS. Um, I'm actually going to agree with you on this one, but I have the Astros winning it or winning the AL still. I picked them before the season started, and I still think they can get the job done. Um, I really, I agree with you kind of, I just don't think, I just feel like this Red Sox team is kind of like already peaked. It's like they've already played their best baseball. And I think I remember the Yankees got last year in the playoffs, and I'll look for them to build off that again this year. So I look for the Yankees to win this game. So, so do I. But um, I, I honestly would probably agree with you with the um, Astros winning the AL because the Yankees bash just struggle against, against good pitching in the playoffs. And, all of the um, Astros pitchers have proven that they can pitch in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. Let's move on here to college football. So we got our first matchup. Or I mean, we'll do a little buy or sell here with college football. LSU is number five now on the rankings. Are you buying or selling LSU? I'm buying LSU for two more weeks until that big matchup in Baton Rouge with Georgia. We will see what LSU is truly all about when they play Georgia. Um, I'm going to also agree with that one. I'm I'm actually selling on LSU. I think that LSU is notorious for dropping a game or two. They shouldn't. I don't think they'll lose first Ole Miss or at Florida, but I look for UGA to beat them. I think Alabama will beat them, and I also think they'll lose last game of the season at Texas A&M. I think this team still loses three games, so I'm actually going to have to sell on LSU, but I think they'll they'll survive until they play Georgia. That's going to be an absolutely huge matchup. Are you buying or selling UCF? I'm buying UCF. Defending national champion UCF, Mackenzie Milton. UCF is going to go undefeated again this season. Yeah, I'm Mackenzie Milton is an absolute beast. I watched most of that game on, on a Friday night versus FAU, and Mackenzie Milton was balling out. I think he's honest, could be one of the best quarterbacks in college football. I am buying UCF. I think they also go undefeated. And I think if there's multiple one-loss teams that UCF deserves to go to the Final Four, if they are able to stay undefeated, you can't keep a team out that plays in a – I mean, the AAC, they're not a Power Five conference, but they're not used to come, They're not a complete joke of a conference, and I don't think you can keep a team out of the Final Four that goes undefeated two seasons in a row. I disagree with you on that one. Even if they go undefeated, they shouldn't play in the um, Final Four. I mean, if there's not – if there's not – Three, if there's not four other undefeated teams, I would like to see them in there. But, you know, we'll have, we'll, we'll have that debate when it gets close to that. Um, you buying or selling on Stanford right now? I'm buying I'm buying on Stanford after that come from behind. Looking, look, looked like they were dead. Come from behind win at Oregon. They have a big road, road game this weekend against Notre Dame. I like them to upset Notre Dame this weekend in South Bend. Yeah, I absolutely love Stanford over Notre Dame this week. Probably going to pick them plus four and a half. I think that's one of my locks this week. Um, I'm actually buying on Stanford going to the playoff this year. I'm I'm all in on Stanford right now. I don't. I mean, Washington. They're at Washington. That's going to be a big game, but uh, they still haven't lost yet. So I mean, a one loss Stanford team could get in there easily. So as long as they can only lose one game in a week, Pac-12, I think they can still get in and play in the and play in the Final Four. 
Are you buying or selling on Oklahoma after their struggle against Army? I'm buying on Oklahoma for the still fact there isn't a single other team in the pack in the uh, Big Twelve. Uh, I'm buying them. I like West Virginia, but I'm actually going to agree with you. I just West Virginia has never been known to win that big game, and they always lose. They always lose to teams they should not lose to. So I'm buying on Oklahoma as well. I'm also buying in on Kyler Murray. Our last two we got here. Are you buying or selling on Notre Dame? I'm selling Notre Dame. I expect them to stumble this weekend against um, Stanford. Yeah, I'm selling Notre Dame too. I like the quarterback change. It looks better, but I just can't buy into this team. I feel like that. I feel like they've barely beaten all these teams. Like, they barely even beat Ball State. Their offense looked better against Wake Forest, so that's also because nobody really had film on that quarterback they played. So, I'm, I'm selling on Notre Dame. Um, our last one here that we got here, are you buying or selling to Tua for Heisman? I'm buying Tua for Heisman. He is the best player in college football. I completely agree. At first, I was kind of mad that he just got anointed just because he played for Alabama and he played a half of football. But after actually watching him in these games, he's absolutely dominated. Tua is a beast. He's the real deal. He'll be the number one overall pick if the team that has the number one overall pick wants a quarterback when he comes out in two years. So I'm buying in on Tua. But, Matthew, I appreciate having you on. Good good stuff today. Yep. Thank you. Always a pleasure. I look forward to uh, you tweeting at me more and more on Twitter. I love it. You always try to call me out on stuff. It cracks me up. But Got to keep you honest. Got to keep you honest. <laughs> you got to. But once again, I appreciate having you on, and we'll have you back on soon. I appreciate it.